Hey everyone, I wanted to welcome you to Encounter Church. I'm Pastor Craig Rice. Thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. We're in a series last week called Jesus Changes Everything. And wow, what a week it has been since we talked about that. Uh, God's just doing some amazing things, and I hope that He's doing some great things in your life. I hope that things are changing for the better. I, th- I hope that Jesus is right there in the center with you, right in the middle of everything that you're doing, every struggle you're having, every victory you're seeing, and that is what it's all about, Jesus changing everything. And so today is our second installment of this amazing series, and I'm going to take our uh, text and our talk today out of the book of Luke, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 13, verses 6 through 9, and we're going to read out the New Living Translation. It'll be on the screen here for you, and it says this, Then Jesus told this story. A man planted a fig tree in his garden and came again and again to see if there was any fruit on it. But he was always disappointed. Finally, he said to his gardener, I have waited three years and there hasn't been a single fig. Cut it down. It's just taking up space in the garden. The gardener answered, Sir, give it one more chance. Leave it another year and I'll give it special attention and plenty of fertilizer. And If we get figs next year, fine. If not, then you can cut it down. I want to just talk to us a little bit today about and on this subject called give it one more chance. Give it one more chance. Jesus is teaching a story to those that are hearing and the story is one of of an individual that has planted this fig tree but every time he goes back and the Bible says he keeps going back again and again and again and again and every time he checks it, he's disappointed to the, to the point where he's like, cut it down. It's taking up too much space in the garden. Yet when the gardener is approached with this, the gardener says, hey, let, let me have at it. Let me take special attention to it, give it one more chance, and see if I can make a difference in it. I've realized that we as humans, as individuals, as people, especially in today's world, we are quick to come to conclusions. Conclusions that are rooted in our assumptions. Uh, we, we make assumptions based on scenarios, on the information that we have, and we're very quick to judge a situation or judge an individual or assume things about certain situations that are going on. We're very quick to draw lines and pick sides. Uh, it's, we even are very quick to cut things off. If it's not working out or if it's not going like we thought it should in the time frame we thought it should, we're very quick to say it's taking up too much space. We're dealing with this for far too long. I haven't seen the progress that I thought it would and I'm disappointed every time I visit that. And we're very quick to simply just cut it off, to cut off uh, those, those things. Maybe it's Maybe it's a ministry that we have felt like God has called us to, and yet it hasn't taken root yet. It hasn't produced yet. Maybe maybe it's an investment. Maybe it's a job opportunity. Maybe it's your current status in your relationship. 
And we're very quick to cut things off, to end things, to have conclusions and assumptions, to draw lines over certain things when we haven't really tested it, haven't taken the special attention because it's painful. It, it feels like it's taking up space. But let's flip this a little bit. Maybe, maybe you feel like you've been cut off. Maybe you feel like people are quick to jump to assumptions and conclusions about your life and who you are. Maybe you feel like others just feel like you're taking up too much space in the garden. And Jesus' story is not one of finality. It's one of opportunity. It's not one of cutting off or making quick decisions and assumptions based on the current picture that they see. Jesus is telling the story that the gardener tells the individual who planted the fig tree, hey, give it one more chance. In fact, what I find interesting is that this picture of a gardener is actually the picture of God. In Genesis chapter 2 and verse 8, it tells us that God is the one who planted the Garden of Eden. It was God who designed that garden. He was the original gardener. And in fact, after Jesus' resurrection, we find that he's waiting in the garden and, and around the tomb. And Mary is there and she's weeping because she doesn't know where the body of Jesus is or who took him away. And she hears a voice and she turns around. And the Bible says there in John 20 and 15 that she assumed that Jesus was just the gardener. There's something about God. There's something about Jesus that makes us see that he is the gardener and it is his idea, it is his heart, it is his hope that we would have one more chance. That how far we've gone is not the end of the story. All the failure, rejection, the fear is not the end of where we are, where we're going. The moments that we haven't seen the production that we thought is not the end of the story. The gardener is saying again today, give it one more chance. I want to give your life one more chance. I want to give your ministry one more chance. I want to give your relationship one more chance. In fact, the gardener in... Genesis, you know, God, the one who planted this thing, says this, I want that man to be fruitful and I want him to multiply. The hope of the gardener is that your life would produce fruit, that your life would have multipliers to it. But I want to ask the question, what, but what about when I feel empty? What about when I feel fruitless? What about when I feel rejected? What about when I feel not good enough? What what about when I feel like I'm just taking up too much space? What if I feel cut off? What then? What if I don't always feel fruitful? What if I don't always feel like I'm multiplying? What, what if I'm not fulfilling that? Then, then am I just suddenly cut off? Am I just suddenly left alone? Am I, am I just suddenly out of God's sight and vision? I, I want to argue that today and, and remind you that the gardener's mission, his heart, is that it would get, be given one more chance. It'd be given one more chance. And I want to take our attention to an incredible story with Jesus and the disciples found in John 21. It says this, that later Jesus appeared to them again. 
to the disciples he, beside the Sea of Galilee, and this is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there, Simon Peter, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. We'll come too, they all said. So they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. And at dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out, fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. And then he said this, throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat, and you'll get some. So they did, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Now, what I want to bring out of this text today is that the disciples had been out there fishing. Their nets are empty. They're discouraged. They're frustrated. But what has happened is Jesus has died. He's been resurrected. They've had the appearing of Jesus uh, with the 12, and he talks to Thomas, and Thomas touches his scars and touches the wounds, and Thomas believes, but there is still this feeling of a lack of hope, a lack of ambition. All, all of their dreams had now died. They felt like they had been abandoned. They had been rejected because now this Jesus that had promised that he was going to change the world now had died, and he was just appearing in random times and places. And they didn't know how this was going to take place. They didn't know how everything was going to work out. They didn't know how their life was to be lived after this. And so Peter goes back to what he's used to. Peter has a moment of pouting. Peter has a moment of discouragement. He has a moment of feeling like he is in complete despair. And he goes back to what he was doing before Jesus called him. Now, for us to really grasp this concept and take a handle to the text today, I want to I want to bring you all the way back to how Peter and James and John and how the disciples were raised to bring to light the feelings and the emotion that they are now feeling in the boat that day. The feeling of feeling not good enough. The feeling of not producing enough. Not being fruitful enough. Not having full nets and feeling defeated and feeling rejected. So we got to rewind. we got to go all the way back. Because... The way Peter was brought up, the way John was brought up, the way James was brought up uh, is key to understanding this story. And the way they were brought up was like this. Back in those days, Jewish education was made up of three primary sections. It was made up of the Bet Safar. And during the Bet Safar, it was, it was training and teaching for, for kids ages 5 to 10. Then once they graduated that school, they went to the Bet Talmud, which was ages 10 to 14. Now, when they were done with that, now this was the opportunity for a rabbi, a teacher to call them, to bring them in, to have them learn and study under them, or they were dismissed. And the next set was the Bet Midrash, and the Bet Midrash was where the disciples that were learning, the students that were learning would go to a rabbi and they would ask the rabbi if they could follow him, if they could learn from him. And the rabbi would then ask a series of questions. He would begin to grill them on their studies from the time they were five to the to 14. And he would begin to question them and try to find out who they were. Now, what happens is that 
the individuals that were good enough, the individuals that had learned enough, that answered the right questions, were then chosen to become the best of the best. And the teachers, the rabbis, would only choose the best of the class. Those that seemed to be above the rest, that were the, the most educated, the most learned, the ones that had the most uh, insight and intelligence. And then the rabbi would choose them. And how the rabbi would choose them was simply this. He would say to them, come, take my yoke upon you, follow me, and become my disciple. If the boys heard that, they would drop everything. They would leave mother and father and siblings and home and community so that they could live following this teacher that thought that they were the best, thought that they were valued, thought that they were, were the chosen ones to learn under this rabbi's teaching. If they were not chosen, then they were sent back to their homes to learn their trade, and it was the trade of their family. So if you were part of a carpenter's family and you did not get through the Bet Midrash, then you were sent back to learn carpentry. If your family was uh, upholsters and they did and designed uh, the, the materials for furniture, then that's what you went back and learned. If, if they worked in the market, then you went back and worked in the market. If, if they were traders, then you would learn the trade. Or if they were fishermen, then you would go back and learn how to fish. So now let's, let's fast forward a little bit in the story that, that Jesus is now walking on the Sea of Galilee one day. And as he's walking, he sees Peter, James, and John fishing in the boat, trying to untangle their nets, get their nets, they're casting their nets, they're, they're, they're trying to do what they had been trained to do. This was individuals that had most likely been rejected from a rabbi, had been told they weren't good enough, and so now they are back fishing because that's what their family did. And Jesus looks at these boys that day, and what does he say? Come, follow me. It is no wonder that Peter, James, and John drop everything, drop their nets, drop their, their tackle boxes, drop everything, leave their boats, leave their families, and they follow Jesus because now society had deemed them unworthy. Society had deemed them not good enough. Society said they had just taken up too much space in the garden. Society said that they were unfruitful. Society said that they were unlearned. Society said that they couldn't measure up to anything. Yet Jesus sees something in them that society did not see. Jesus saw in them something that nobody else saw, that maybe they didn't even believe about themselves, something that others had labeled them as, a reject, an individual that couldn't make it in the elite class of religious leaders. But Jesus saw something in Peter and James and John and the disciples that no one else saw. He saw hope. He saw an opportunity to give them one more chance. An opportunity for them to make something of themselves. In fact, that's why we read in the New Testament that individuals were upset because they were unlearned men, and their statement was this, yet they turned their world upside down. Because society is quick to cut off. 
Society is quick to judge. It's quick to draw lines. It's, it's quick to make judgment calls. It's quick to make assumptions. But Jesus, no, no, he, he looks at something deeper. He looks at the heart. He looks at the character. He looks at the mind. He looks at the potential. And he says, I want to give them one more chance. And I don't know who I'm speaking to that needs to hear this today, but you feel like you haven't been good enough. You feel like you've been cut off, and maybe it's been within your own family. Maybe it's been with your relationships. Maybe it's been on your job. Maybe you feel like you've been rejected. You've been pushed away, that you're just taking up too much space. Jesus is standing here in front of you today saying, Come, follow me. You're good enough to be a part of my tribe. You're good enough to be a part of this family. You're good enough to be my disciple because Jesus is still calling followers today. He's still choosing you. You may feel like you've been fruitless. And again and again, your life proves the disappointments over and over. But today is a different day. This moment is a different moment because Jesus is calling you into something brand new. He's calling you into a new hope, a new destiny, a new purpose, a, a, a new calling, if you would. He's, he's giving you another chance for you to fulfill the dream that he's placed in your heart. So the thing that's been telling you, the, the, the inner voice that's been telling you you're not good enough, you can't make it, you're taking up too much space, is silenced by the voice of Jesus that says, come, follow me, learn of me, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The disciples in our, in our reading today are back on a boat fishing. Now, why are they back doing this? They had left it all. They had given it all up to follow Jesus. So why are they back fishing? Because this is what they had been trained to do. This was their trade outside of Jesus. This was their life outside of Jesus. And so when they felt like it was over, that they had been cut off, they went back to their lifestyle. They went back to the things they used to do. They went back to what they were familiar with in order to make ends meet. And this is why Jesus appears to them and yells out again to them, have you caught anything? Can you imagine Peter's feeling of utter rejection in this moment when he looks at the nets that are empty in front of him? And he has to call out to this individual because they don't recognize it's Jesus. And Peter now has to call out and go, I haven't caught a thing. So get this, not only did they feel like they had been abandoned, but now the trade that they had been learned in, skilled in, this was a family business, now they couldn't even do that right. They couldn't even catch fish like they had been trained to do. Can you imagine the feeling of utter despair and disappointment? Maybe that's where you're at today. You're looking at your life and you're like, I'm not even good at the thing that I should be good at. I'm not even, I'm not even okay with the things I should be okay with. I, I, what is going on? Why am I here? What is going on in this world, in my life, and in, in this situation? And I feel so rejected. I feel so full of despair. And I've realized this, that your rejection in one season can lead to your destiny in your next. Because Jesus was not willing for them to stay in a season of despair, 
a season of emptiness, a season of fruitlessness, but Jesus tells them, hey, give it one more chance. Throw your nets on the right side of the boat, on the right side of your boat. And as he does that, I've, I've, I've wondered, maybe, maybe the reason why we keep turning up empty, the reason why we keep having fruitless seasons is because we've been throwing our nets, growing our trees, investing our lives, our time, our talent, our energy on the wrong side of things. Our minds say it's the right side, but really it's been distant from God. It's been distant from His will. It's, it's us trying to make something work out of nothing. Instead of allowing our nets to be thrown on the right side of things, and Jesus is calling us to put our lives, our investments, our treasure, our times, our, our energies on the right side of the boat. To try this again, to try living again, to try dreaming again, try following his call again, but this time on the right side of things. Not on your perception of what is right and wrong, but on his authority of what is right and wrong. It's not about your truth, it's about his truth. And it's not about your way, it's about his way. And he's saying, I want you to throw your nets on the right side, because when you throw it on the right side, you're going to catch something. You're going to find something. Your life's going to be filled. If you, if you allow him to tend to the tree of your life one more time, watch what's going to happen. He's going to take special attention to it. He's going to make sure you have the right fertilizer. He's going to make sure that it grows and it produces. And what I've realized is that while you're in a season of rejection and that, that, that there's a fear that comes to you, there's a fear that comes in and makes you believe that the opportunity that you thought you once had is over. It's passed you by. It, fear's going to make you believe that you've made the wrong decision. Fear is that you've married the wrong person or you chose the wrong career or you spent your money badly and you've made wrong decisions and now your life, your hope, your dream, your marriage, your, your, your family, your, your career, it's over. It's done. And that's fear speaking. But the gardener's saying, give it one more chance today. Give it one more chance because rejection and failure doesn't define you with Jesus. In fact, he just offers a new way of living. He, he says, give it one more chance. Like, like the woman who's caught in adultery that's brought to the feet of Jesus. And they tell Jesus, hey, this woman has been caught in this sinful act. And the law says that we need to stone her. But Jesus stoops down and writes in the dirt and says something important. He says, if you don't have any sin, go ahead and cast the first stone. And they begin to drop their stones and walk away. And he looks at the woman and he says, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. What is Jesus doing? He's teaching them that there is a new way of living that on the other side of feeling like it's over, feeling like you're done, like you're cut off, that you've been using up too much space in the garden, Jesus says, I'm giving you a new way out and it's called forgiveness. I'm giving you a new way out. I'm giving you a new hope, and it's called forgiveness. It's, it's like Zacchaeus hiding in a tree just to see Jesus, but the crowd is around him, the people that he has cheated and he has robbed because of their taxes. The ones that he has taken extra from are standing around, and Jesus comes and points him out and says, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going to your house today. What is he teaching him? 
That, hey, even in the middle when everyone else says that you're wrong, that you have been accused, that you, you can't make it, that you are a worthless piece of society, Jesus looks and said, I'm going to give you redemption. I'm giving you a second chance on living life better than the way you have been. It's like the woman that washed Jesus' feet, broke the alabaster box over him and cried and dried his feet with her hair. It's like that woman who Jesus gives a second chance to, and it teaches us that even in the middle of our despair, there is still an opportunity to worship at the feet of Jesus. It's like Nicodemus that searches Jesus out at night, and he is so conflicted with the religious pressure of how to be saved and how to live a certain standard, and Nicodemus is like, there's got to be something more. There's got to be something greater. There's got to be better purpose to this. And then Jesus teaches him that there is a better way, that there is a new birth, that you got to be born of water and spirit. And he teaches him that there is a greater thing beyond how he's been living based on the religious constructs that he had found himself, that following Jesus was liberating. It was a, another chance. It's like the man in the tombs, in the land of the Gadarenes, as Jesus goes on the other side of the lake and reaches this man who had been bound by the people of the city, had been chained up, had been tormented by the evil spirits within him. And when Jesus approaches the man, the demons cry out of him and and, and Jesus talks to them and casts them out and then he heals the man and puts him in a sound mind and a peaceful state because what Jesus is showing is that when he steps on the scenes, what has been cut off, what has been bound up, what has been cast out, what has been rejected, what people have said are taking up too much space, Jesus said can be clothed, sitting in their sound mind, having a hope for a future that you don't have to live and he, like that anymore, that you can be set free. And he teaches a new way called deliverance. So why? The question is why? Did the disciples have to throw their nets on the other side? Why couldn't Jesus fill their nets on the side that they were on? So I, I did some study and what was, why, like, for me, I would have tried to, everything. Like, if it's not working here, then let's try it here. If it's not working in this part of the lake, let's try it on that side. But they were so caught up in this, and I found that fishing nets normally would have been cast on the left side of the boat so that they could be hauled in more easily, led by the culturally strong arm, the right arm. So when they reached on the left side, the right arm was the strongest, so they would be able to pull it up. So casting it on the other side meant that they would have to use the weaker arm to haul it in, and they wouldn't have the strength to bring in the catch. And what I realized is that they had to work countercultural and even stronger physically to haul in the catch. And so when Jesus tells them, throw your nets on the other side, he says, I want to use the weak arm to produce the strong things that I'm filling your life with. He's like, I want to take 
what you are normally used to. You've been doing it one way your entire trade, your entire career, your entire marriage, your entire, your entire upbringing. You've been doing it one way. You've been praying one way. You've been given one way. You've been serving one way. But I want to change that up, and I'm going to use the weak things to produce the strong things. And I want to just let you know I'm going to give you one more chance, but now you've got to do something a little different. You've got to take your nets and throw it on the other side. It's countercultural. It's not what you're used to. It's not the normal. It's the gardener saying, hey, you've come again and again, but let me take time and fertilize and take special attention to this fig tree. Let's give it one more chance. I, I want to see this thing through. And the struggle is, is we keep doing things the same way every time because that's the way we've always done it. We've been here before, we've done this before, and we're repeating habits that are fruitless and empty. And I've realized that if we continually do that, guess what? You're going to catch nothing, and you're going to spend all night trying when you're using your own strength, your own concepts, and your own way. And yet Proverbs tells us, in Proverbs 3 and 5, there's a better way. He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all that you do, and he will show you which path to take. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Then, then you will have healing for your body, strength for your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Then, Then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. That's the difference between empty nets and empty branches versus full nets and full branches. That's the difference. If you will stop leaning on your own understanding, drop the net on the other side, turn the tree over to the gardener and let his way become your way, his thoughts become your thoughts, his will become your will. And the moment you do, then, when you change everything and you take your nets and cast it on the other side, then... You're going to have prosperity. You're going to have fulfillment. You're going to have healing. You're going to have life because that is the principle of Jesus changing everything. And when the disciples gave it one more chance, and the one who planted the tree gave it one more chance, everything changed. If you're in this moment right now, hoping that everything will change, hoping that healing will come, hoping that provision will happen, hoping that you'll see the light at the end of the tunnel, hoping that your life can be redeemed, hoping that sin will be forgiven, that that calling will be restored, hoping that things were going to change it. Let me just tell you today, give it one more chance. Don't write yourself off. Don't eliminate yourself. Don't make an assumption that just because it hasn't happened now, it won't ever happen. The gardener standing by saying, I want to give it one more chance. He's on the shore shouting at you, throw your net on the other side of the boat. Try again. Live again. Work again. Breathe again. Fight again. Serve again. Give again.
I, try it again. I know you've been filled with disappointment. I know you've been filled with rejection, but this time things are going to be different because I'm here. I'm telling you, give it one more chance. Check the fruit tree again. Check the nets again. Because when Jesus is here, he changes everything. I want to pray with you today. And I know that you may be in a, in a rough spot on a boat somewhere or looking at an empty tree in your life. But the gardener's here and Jesus is standing on the shore. And he's telling you, I want you to give it one more chance. And he's telling you, I'm going to give you one more chance. I'm, I'm not a God who just cuts you off. I'm not an individual that just shuns you and makes assumptions. I, I've called you. I've chosen you. You have purpose and you have potential. And I want to show you a better way. I want to show you a way out. I want to show you hope. And I want to free you. I want to love you. And he's calling, come, be my disciple. Follow me. I'll do something different. I'll change your everything. And if that's you today, maybe you're in this moment where you're like, I, I haven't ever followed this Jesus because I've heard about a wrong Jesus. Or maybe you're watching this right now and you're saying, hey, I, I want to give my life to Christ. I want to say yes to Jesus. And maybe, maybe you're watching this and you've been away from him. But today you've just felt drawn to come back. Maybe you stumbled on this video by accident or heard this podcast by accident. But this has been a call, a resurgence of your life to bring you back to following Jesus. He hasn't left you. He's saying, give it one more chance. And if that's you, I want to pray over you. Here at Encounter, we call it a fresh start. It's a moment where we say the old is done and everything becomes new. I'm saying yes to Jesus. I'm going to follow him heart, soul, mind, and strength. Will you pray with me today? Jesus, we thank you that you are our gardener saying, give it one more chance. We thank you that you are giving us an opportunity to make things right, to find our place on the right side of the boat, to see the fruitless things become fruitful, to see the empty nets become full. Today, our life has been empty. Our life has been fruitless, but today we're giving you our life We're giving you our dreams and we're giving you our hopes and we're giving you even the things that have destroyed us, our fears, our worries. We're we're giving you the things that we feel cut off by and from. And today we're asking that you would become Lord and Savior of my life. Today we repent. We say we're sorry for the sin and the things that we have done on the wrong side of the boat. We, We ask that you would forgive us and that you would make our heart new and our mind restored because of your love and your grace and your mercy. And today we accept that. We say yes to you. So today I'm making a fresh start by saying I give you my life and I'm saying yes to following you. For that I thank you and I pledge my life to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, if you just prayed that with me today, God is changing your everything. He's giving you a brand new life through salvation and hope. We want to celebrate that with you. So go ahead and DM us or post in the comments that you gave your life to to the Lord today. You said yes, you made that fresh start. We want to celebrate with you the good things that God is doing. We want to encourage you that God is letting you have another chance. To our Encounter family today that has watched this, listened to this, we just want to say thank you for joining us. And 2022 is an incredible year as we build His church Together, be blessed. Thank you so much for joining us today. I want to encourage you to take the message you just heard 
and allow Jesus to transform your soul. We pray that you have an amazing week. Thanks again for being a part of the Encounter Church family. God bless you.